TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's the Score North Twin Show. Derek Wentmore with you. Judd Zolgad joins us down the line from Fort Myers, Florida. And we got a couple things to talk about today. We're for certain going to get into stuff on the Twins. But, Judd, uh, we got to start with this coronavirus and how Major League Baseball is reacting to it. What can you tell us from Fort Myers? Well, I can tell you from Fort Myers that the report came out today, I think it was from uh, the state of Washington, that gatherings in the Seattle metropolitan area, I think, are going to be limited to 250 people or less. And if you look at the Twins' schedule, their second series after they play Oakland to open the season is in Seattle. And last time I checked, more than 250 people turn out for ball games. The early uh, speculation here, and full disclosure, we're recording this podcast in the morning on Wednesday, so this is going to be incredibly fluid. So uh, we apologize if you uh, take a listen to this podcast at 5 o'clock and it's wrong. The early speculation here is that there's a very good chance baseball is going to leave the Mariners in Arizona in Peoria where they train and have the Twins go there and play the series there. There's always the possibility that baseball could try and work some type of swap to have the series if the weather's going to be okay in Minneapolis-St. Paul at Target Field, Derek. I mean, there's a lot of different things here. But um, I I know we've talked about the past couple days quite a bit, the effects on the clubhouses being closed to media and non-essential members uh but really that is tip of the iceberg here because now we're talking about games being moved i would guess potentially games being canceled maybe the season delayed this is just causing so much havoc because there's so much unknown uh for baseball and the rest of the sports that are playing right now so it's going to be day by day hour by hour but as of right now Almost certainly the Twins will not be playing in Seattle in their second series. Right. Well, I think we'd be, like you said, this is time-stamped, of course. I'm local time, 10 a.m., uh, Twin Cities, year 11, East Coast time on Wednesday. Of course, this this could change by the time this even gets posted, but I think we're being a little uh, naive if we don't think this is going to impact the 2020 season in Italy, Judd. Now, obviously, very different situation, but worth monitoring in Italy, they've canceled all sporting competitions through the rest of the month of March. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I've got my eye on and say, okay, if one of the things that public officials are going to try to do to you know, mitigate the spread of this novel coronavirus is stop big gatherings of people all in close proximity, okay, shutting off media to the clubhouse is just, like you said, the tip of the iceberg here. Oh, absolutely. And we've seen it, and I think we discussed this on the uh, podcast we did yesterday, the San Jose Sharks of the National Hockey League can't play a home game. I believe it's for the rest of March because their county has also drawn a line on the amount of people that can be at a gathering at any given time. And uh, San Jose is not that far from Oakland, you know, as far as the Bay Area goes. And so because this is so fluid, I'm not going to be surprised at all if, um, if this continues to to regress and there's not good news, if we do have games simply delayed or canceled, it's going to be really, really, really weird because I've lived through, you know, a few uh, bad outbreaks of stuff here and there in my 50 years, Derek, but I don't recall the sense of, of panic and trying to limit public gatherings that we're seeing in this case. And um, I'm just, I think, issue is the athletes and the teams 
all realize that ultimately this is bigger than them, and they're going to have to take advice from people that aren't in their sport. That's right. They're taking advice from doctors, and there's enough panic. I can't blame them one bit. It's very hard to say, well, you should don't be concerned about it because to go back to your point about what we saw in, in Italy, you know, that thing spread, coronavirus spread there how quickly? And God forbid the same thing happens in this country. So this is this is people taking advice from people who aren't in their business, but they have no choice. Yes, I think that is the point. I just I want to underscore that because you said it 100% correctly. I'm going to borrow from uh, Liverpool manager. You'll like this, Judd. Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp, uh, one of the best football clubs in the world right now, uh, dominating the English Premier League. Somebody asked him a question about this. You know, are you worried or how is it going to affect you or whatever? And he said, why are you asking me? I'm a football manager. Like, I don't know. This is not my area of expertise. Listen to the people who have expertise in this. Trust them. Trust their opinion. Don't just trust me because I wear a Liverpool coat on the sidelines. Hey, Zim, tell me all about coronavirus. That's right. Will will the 4-3 defense, will Daniil Hunter beat the coronavirus (laughs) by himself? Tell us, Zim. No. Yeah. And people are it's it's weird because people are um I guess for lack of a better term, Derek, sort of grasping at straws as far sure. as who to go to and who to consult with. But and and you know from covering sports, sports executives and sports leagues really like to do their own thing and run their own business. And this is one of the rare times where they've just lost control and they have no way to go out and be like, We're gonna hire the C D C people ourselves to advise. They've just gotta take the advice. Judge, you wrote a column for scorenorth.com while you're in Fort Myers, Florida, Fort Myers Dateline on the veteran experience in the Twins Clubhouse right now. Uh, what'd you uncover about that? Because I came to the same thought a little bit ago, and we mentioned it briefly on the Twins show yesterday, mm-hmm. that, gosh, two years ago you would have said, this team's just not seasoned, they're taking that next step. Now you look around the Twins Clubhouse and it's like, wow, all of these dudes have played in October for the most part. Yeah, it, and we discussed this briefly on the podcast on Tuesday, Derek. And w- when the clubhouse was open on Monday, I looked around the clubhouse, and there's Josh Donaldson stretching in one corner. There's Nelson Cruz, and we saw this last year walking through with a bat to go hit. Um, there's Tyler Clippard sitting quietly at his locker. And I'm looking around it, and I thought to myself, there's a lot of veteran presence here that wasn't here. Uh, obviously, a guy like, uh, like Cruz or Marwin Gonzalez – was uh, with the Twins for all of last season. But there were a lot of, you know, there's guys now, and I went through before I wrote the column and looked this up last night, and let me give you an idea of the postseason experience that the Twins either traded for or signed during the course of the winter, okay? Kenta Maeda has appeared in 24 playoff games with the Dodgers, including seven World Series games. Donaldson has never played in a World Series game, but he's played in 39 playoff games. Homer Bailey's played in two. Rich Hill's played in 13, including three World Series games. Tyler Clippard's at 14, including three World Series games that I believe uh, 2015 against the Royals when he was with the Mets. And Alex Avila, 35 uh, games, including two World Series games. The point being is, do you remember the conversations that we had going into the uh, Divisional Series last year against the Yankees where we all said, and I think you said this, I said this for sure, Mackey as well, Rami, we all talked about, well, you know what? Nelson Cruz and Marwin Gonzalez and Sergio Romo, who had been obtained in July, aren't going to be afraid of the Bronx, right? They're going to go into Yankee Stadium, and they're going to be like, I don't care how many games this team lost previously. That's not us, and we are veterans. 
I think Falvey and Levine thought the same thing, and I think they saw that. And, yes, those guys had great years. But I also think that as as the Twins brass this offseason tried to put together the, I guess, the stew for a potential World Series team, and make no mistake, this this is a World Series type of contender type of team, um, I think they said to themselves, we could use more. And so now you've got Donaldson at third, Maeda as your third starter, Bailey and Hill probably have roles. Clippard has a potential important bullpen role. Avila is the backup catcher to Garver. You've got a lot of guys who have played in a lot of playoff games, and I I talked to uh, Felvey about this yesterday. It's definitely done on purpose to try and stack up that amount of, I don't know, confidence and postseason confidence. And Derek pointed to uh, it was 2016 when he was an executive with Cleveland, and he talked about when Mike Napoli came in, right? Yeah. And Mike and Mike Napoli wasn't a great player, but what was he? He was a guy who could lead and that people gravitated towards. And so it's funny because we always talk about, and it's not wrong, we talk about how analytically influenced Falvey and Levine are, right, and how they look at the numbers and how they do this and how they've got all of these plans and these cameras and this, this scientific stuff. But I think the thing I find most interesting about these two is their willingness to do basically what, what comes down to clubhouse chemistry experiments because I'll go back two years, disaster, right? Lance Lynn, Lomo come in, came in late. Addison Reed had been signed. He turned out to be not the greatest guy. And the clubhouse chemistry experiment at that time, well, now three years back, I guess, completely blew up, completely didn't work. So they hit a reset, and they're like, let's try this. Nelson Cruz, oh, my gosh, it worked out perfectly. <laughs> Marwin Gonzalez might have his warts now in retrospect, but I think that you would agree with me. Every day that guy came in the clubhouse last year, complete professional, played every position that they asked, never griped. And now they've ratcheted up and been like, okay, that worked, but let's see if this works. And so now going into 2020, this Twins team is, um, I think the right word is probably laden with people who have valuable playoff experience. It is fascinating because there's a bet that you're making with that, that the experienced mind And I saw a quote in your piece on Nelson Cruz about this, but the experienced mind will trump the aging body, if that makes sense. Like, they've made that bet at a couple of places. Catcher, you mentioned, backup catcher. Uh, A couple of relievers with Clippard and Romo. A starter in Homer Bailey, of course. Nelson Cruz, Josh Donaldson. Kenta Maeda, I'm not calling all of these guys old. Well, except Nelson Cruz, he's old. And Rich Hill, he's old too. But the other guys, they're just a little bit past what you would say is, you know, scientifically your, your athletic prime. And the bet that the Twins are making right now is, hey, that's a good player, and we think he's going to continue to be good. And this sort of mental edge that we I can't personally quantify, that I can't even quite put my finger on, Mm-hmm. is going to outweigh the costs as a player ages. It's a fascinating bet that they seem to be making. I think it's a bet also based on guys from what they've learned who are smart enough to know how to keep themselves in really good shape. I mean, Nelson Cruz is a specimen, my yeah. man. Nelson Cruz is a specimen. Josh Donaldson works pretty damn hard to keep. Now, he's been hurt before, but he works hard. So I think the most important thing, and in my piece uh, that I wrote for scorenorth.com about this subject, Falvey talked about that. He's like, you've got to find the right position fits, 
you just can't go out and be like, I'd like to sign a bunch of veterans. You've got to find the right position fits. You've got to find the guys that are willing to sacrifice so as they near 40, they can keep themselves in great shape, which is a bear to do. I mean, that's not fun, and it's not simple. But I just think the evolution of uh, Derek and Thad as executives and as they sort of tinker and toy and tweak is so interesting to watch because you can see them, you can see the thought processes with both of them churning away. And I think that this is one where they thought to themselves, we had a lot of good veteran guys going into that Yankee series. And guess what? We lost in three. What can we do? And this doesn't mean that more moves aren't going to be made. This doesn't mean that your pitching is perfect. But it, baseball and roster construction as a whole probably, but baseball to me, roster construction is so intriguing because it's basically a series of experiments done with people who you're banking on over a really long season will fit together, work well together, and that young will complement old and vice versa. Planning to buy a new boat this year? Glenn Perkins here for my friends at Nelson Marine. The Nelson Marine difference is about customer service and a knowledgeable team of sales and service pros. Two large showrooms filled with an impressive inventory of the best brands in the business. London Crestliner Fishing Boats, South Bay Pontoons, powered by Yamaha, Suzuki, Mercury, and Evinrude. Nelson Marine has been creating happy customers for 75 years. Visit their showroom on Highway 61 in White Bear Lake online at nelsonmarine.biz. Hey, Scornorth listeners, it's Phil Mackey here for Federated Mutual Insurance Company, which is here to give business owners that peace of mind that you need when you've built a company with your blood, your sweat, your tears, maybe not your blood, but whatever. Like you built a company and you want your insurance team to be ready with a game plan that helps you recover if needed, recover smoothly so you can get on with running your business. Federated has a century of experience in helping business owners. You can find out more about the industries Federated protects at their website, federatedinsurance.com. And remember, Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect yours. Derek Falvey pointed out something really interesting to me when I was down there, Judd, a couple of weeks back. And it sounds like it sounds like he's almost uh, doubled down on that in your conversations with him. Maybe you can shed some more light on it. Um, but he said they need three types of players on a winning team. And he wasn't specifically talking to the Twins. He's talking about, like, in the recent history of baseball, winning teams have these three components. It's these veterans that we're talking about that, yeah, maybe they're uh, maybe they're in their decline uh, phase, but that they've been to the mountain, they know what it takes to climb, and they're going to push the people around them to be better. I, I really like the way he put that. Um, secondly, you need that young uh, nucleus, for want of a better term, of players who are just getting established in the big leagues, who are very good players, Max Kepler, Jorge Polanco, on and on down that list. And he also said, you're going to need the unproven people to step up in spots that outsiders might not have expected them to and be that first wave of defense when inevitably uh, injury or anything else, ineffectiveness strikes the roster. So your your Randy Dobnicks, your Devin Smeltzers, your Lewis Thorpes uh, basically need to be ready to jump in and stem the tide. He said winning teams don't win without all three of those waves. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, and he uh, talked to us about that yesterday when I asked the same question in the session that we had with him. And, yeah, it, it makes perfect sense. Sure. But I, th- I think their sense, if I'm to take that quote then and use that as a jumping-off point for where the roster is right now, I think that quote alluded to the fact that he, they maybe didn't have enough of the first one that you talked about last year that they thought they might have, and then they realized that they really didn't. 
And so I think that was their their goal. And, and the Donaldson signing was so big as far as the Twins go that I we all sort of got lost in that, right? We all, oh, my God, Josh Donaldson signed. Let's just talk about that. But the Clippers signing, that could be a sneaky good signing. That could be a really intriguing move. There's moves that this team made. Avila could be a valuable backup, right? The Maeda trade, I like. And Kenta Maeda, I will say this for him, in in not only watching the game on Sunday, and I realize it's a spring training game, pitched uh, four really good innings, as we discussed yesterday on the podcast, uh, but also in watching how he acts post-game and things like that, all of these guys appear incredibly comfortable in their own skin with who they are right now, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. There doesn't seem to be any of this, I'm 23, and my goodness, I better do this. Kenta Maeda appeared really veteran comfortable. And my guess is that they got to the, the um, exit interview process or the exit discussion process after a great 2019 and said, we could use more of that. So this is, I think how they did this throughout the course of the off season, Derek Wetmore, is no mistake. It was right. done. It was done with a deliberate eye towards. All right, we want to add good players, but we also want to have just that next level of guys who are experienced to complement guys like Cruz and Gonzalez and Romo. You know what else is interesting? That Rocco Baldelli was in his first season as a manager last year. He won AL Manager of the Year and is largely credited with creating this or helping to foster. He would never take credit for creating, but helping to foster this environment where everybody from Nelson Cruz to Cody Stashek can just walk through that door of the clubhouse and be like, yep, cool, this is where I belong. They're helping me to be my best self, and I can just I can l- ignore all this other noise that typically might bog someone down. Like, for example, a Cody Stashek. You just hit on it with your point about, uh, oh, I really got to do this. Like, I'm a 23-year-old, and I got to prove I belong, all that stuff. Right. Um, having said that compliment of Rocco Baldelli, I questioned his postseason management. I did not like the way they handled their bullpen when, you know, you're in essentially all of those are winner-go-home games. I don't care what you say. You can't just be like, oh, we'll toss game one and two, and then we'll go back home 0-2 and just see what we got. Like, no, dude, your odds go way, way, way down when you fall into a deficit like that. Um, and the Twins have added some veteran baseball-y people to the coaching staff, too, Uh uh, Bob McClure on the pitching side of things, who was already a part of the organization, and Mike Bell, who's been yep. in the Diamondbacks front office. I guess I was expecting a little more veteran or established bench coach, but um, I think there's maybe something to that too, Judd. Do, what do you think, that that they're in this partnership that they describe? They're trying to give Rocco an extra hand too so that when it starts moving super fast, all right, steady hand been there before right here's some calm to maybe put Rocco in the best chance to succeed too yeah that's very possible I also think too that like with anybody who gets their first opportunity to manage or coach in a sport there's going to be natural learning times and I want to say because Rocco's a smart dude we all know that Rocco Baldelli I think probably learned a lot from that series against the Yankees last year and I think so did probably Derek and Thad there was a lot to take away both as far as what the, the players did or didn't do in that series. And there was a lot to take away both, you know, from a strategic point of view, too. So I think the hope is, and some of that just has to come through trial and error in games or mistakes. 
I think the hope has to be that Baldelli learned quite a bit, and and he does seem, and I don't know if you felt the same way when you were down here a few weeks ago, Derek. Rocco seems, he's never seemed uncomfortable because I just don't think he's an uncomfortable type of person. He seems more comfortable in the job and with what the job entails than he did last year, which is no surprise. But that's the type of step that I think if you are the twins, you want to see. He looks like he, he looked last year like a guy who was confident and who was relaxed, but sort of had questions at times about things maybe. It doesn't appear he has as many questions running through his mind because he's been here, done that, and that probably extends to in-game decisions too and maybe playoff sure. game decisions. Yeah, I guess I just thought he's kind of overthinking it a little bit there in the ALD. Oh, I think he, def- I think he definitely <laughs> did. But, but you, know, you know, I criticized this at the time, and I was wrong, and I will give you, I will give you the perfect example of things you just have to learn. Uh, when Mike Zimmer was hired by Rick Spielman, for the Vikings job in, what would that have been now, 2015? 15, I think, yeah. Rick Spielman talked openly about how he basically would at times quiz Zimmer on game situations and clock management and timeouts and things. And I remember talking on the old Mackey and Judd show with Phil about it. I'm like, really? You're gonna, like you're treating this guy who's been a coordinator forever like he's a first, you know, time type of guy? You know, it seems sort of belittling. And then I realized in that case, Rick Spielman was right because what did we see Mike Zimmer, his first year or two, do screwed up the clock at times. And I think he's improved there. I think his in-game decision-making, as you were talking about, when when the fur is flying, when things are going quick, yeah, it can be tough. And I don't know that there's any really good way to replicate it other than to be there and do that. Yep. it's uh, i got to make a correction. I looked that up. Mike Zimmer was hired in 14. 14, uh, okay. January 2014. The point still stands. Yeah, exactly though, right. Is so, that Spielman's heart was in the right place despite the fact I questioned it. I like the quizzing. I think they probably did that with Rocco and other managerial candidates too uh, while they sat him down and it was like, you know, hours-long interview. You're not just talking about your soft skills for six hours. Um, there's probably some analysis that goes into your critical thinking skills and, and cool under pressure and all that stuff. I want to ask you this because you were the one that pointed this out to me. What year would this have been? I'm thinking on my feet here. Uh, 2017, that spring training that you mentioned, they they signed Lance Lynn at what I perceive to be a discount, signed Addison Reed for cheaper than I thought he was going to go, signed Logan Morrison, and basically just tried to find value. And the soft, squishy stuff didn't come into play. It was just, hey, that guy is probably going to be this good of a player, and his number is lower than what he's worth, so let's make a shot. And you pointed out correctly, Judd, at the time, that it's it's well and good. We all gave him A's for their offseason, but then we learned pretty quickly in some cases, Lance Lynn, in April that, hey— all free agents are not created equal, and you can't just scout a stats page, which I'm not saying they did, um, but they learned something from that. And then the next year, we found that they applied that learning, and, and that's what I'm saying. You pointed out to me that they went and got, okay, if, if you're going to sign Nelson Cruz, get it done before Christmas. Show this guy that you want him. Don't let right. the market drag on and drag on and say, well, we want you, but only at this price. Right. So they learned from it, and they executed it, and I think it went well for them. I think it worked out, you would say. Do you think, Judd, in 2020, here's the million-dollar question, do you Uh-oh. think that this bet on veteran savvy and postseason experience will pay off for the 2020 Twins? Wow. Um, can I start the answer by saying this? 
I think that the bet is that the right bet to take. Sure. I don't know if it's going to pay off because the payoff of a World Series is such a such a pie in the sky at times thought you know can you get to the world series but this much like the i would put this in the category of the parisi suitor signing the cousins signing at the time i'm banking on this being the right move is it the right move i have no idea do i like it absolutely do i think it's the do i think given i love the fact that six months ago we had very real questions about where the key people that ran the minnesota twins really thought this team was at they were good but there were moves where you're like okay so are you do you think that your world series team now are you are you magically hoping it's 2022 there now as i sit down here in fort myers Derek wetmore there now is no question in my mind that um dave st peter uh, Derek falvey and thad levine are all on the same page as us, which is they made, other than not having a top-line, absolutely shut-down starting pitcher, and we know they tried to get that and just didn't, Yeah, uh, and they still might, but other than their, their um, lack of success in getting that pitcher, everything about this team screams built for 2020 and built for to make a run and built to end what right now we have to go back to is at 16 games, the longest postseason losing streak in big league history. I can't tell if they watched the ALDS and decided that there was too much deer in the headlights so they brought in veterans, or if all along, Judd, they were just waiting for this sort of this team to be at a place where they could just surround it with and flank it with veteran, uh, not just leadership, but more importantly, postseason experience in, in for this conversation. I can't tell if they were just waiting for this time to strike and they've now taken it, but I agree with you 100%. This is let, the let time to strike. Let me give you strike. my guess. I've got a guess on that, and sure. I don't. And yes, I do. Do I think the Yankees series played absolutely no factor? No, it'd be naive to think that that human beings that run a baseball team wouldn't be affected by what they saw in those three games. But you know what I think really emboldened them, and, and what probably they had to go back to the drawing board after the Lance Lynn, uh, Addison Reed debacle, all of that. Lomo, I think what emboldened them was Nelson Cruz. I think Nelson. I think looking at Nelson Cruz, and and keep in mind too, we don't talk because he was so good and hit forty-one home runs. Derek, we do not talk nearly enough about the impact that this guy had on Miguel Sano, who could be a star player for you. Hmm. And Miguel Sano, a year ago, we talked about this when when it turned out he was hurt again, appeared a guy with talent and rudderless. Like we didn't know when's he going to be healthy. I think we did a whole podcast on, it was probably titled, It's Always Something with Miguel Sano. And look at how different he is now. Look at how different he is. The first base thing, I don't know if it works perfectly or not. It probably doesn't at the outset. But it, from all indications of people I've talked to and seen seeing him work there, he's working his butt off there. Hmm. And a lot of this goes to the credit of one person, and that's Nelson Cruz. And so if you are the boss of this team, and you see what that signing did, it's going to embolden you to say, okay, if we can have that type of impact on the key guys in this clubhouse or even a fraction of that impact, Derek, it's absolutely enormous. So I think what really swayed them was seeing what a guy like Cruz, and I'll go back to him, he's a quiet guy, Marwin Gonzalez, no matter what you want to say about him now with the Astros thing, brings a level of professionalism in his approach to the clubhouse that is – invaluable for young players to look at yep 
Yep, totally agree. Judd, thanks for doing this. I appreciate you taking some time out of your day down in Fort Myers, Florida, to Fun come stuff, on, the, on the uh, Score North Twin Show. Thanks a lot. I'll talk to you later. See you, Judd. That is Judd Zolgad. Follow him on Twitter at Jay Zolgad and follow his Twins coverage at scorenorth.com or on the Score North app. Right now he's got a column on this veteran presence, Byron Buxton's recovery, and he spoke with Byron Buxton about uh, some offseason film studies. Check all that out on scorenorth.com and the Score North app right now. We'll talk to you tomorrow.